1: this segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today.
2: Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beer segment on the Paddle and Fin Network. It's your host Armando Solan, and on this segment, we kick back with a special guest and talk about life kayak fishing and the pursuit of big bass. So get your cold brews on and enjoy the show. Welcome once again ladies and gentlemen to the Bass Kayak and Beer segment on the Panel and Fin Network. Uh we got a very uh, special guest for you today but before we get into that thank you to Douglas Outdoors dot um Douglas Outdoors rods for great uh sponsorship our segment go check out douglasoutdoors.com to find their full lineup of LRS rods and X Matrix rods some of the best rods out there in the world they also do um fly fishing rods which are award-winning fly fishing rods so go check them out douglasoutdoors.com we have Mo. Well, i don't have a special announcement but but those pnfers those paddle and fin fans check out first week of november i think november 5th uh brian schiller the og should be coming out with an amazing announcement so if you're a fan of paddle and fin. Mark your calendars, November 5th, or at least that first week of November. We should have a big announcement. So anyways, like I said, we got a special guest for you for you today, Mr. Matt Souders, or Matthew Souders. I apologize. How are you doing, Matthew? I'm doing good. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. Pretty good, Matthew. Thank you for taking the time to join the show. I know you're friends with Brad Higgs from the... I Was gonna say the real down, it's not the true, it's the final cast. I always get his show confused. I always say it's the final cast, or <laughs> what was the other thing I say, or the real down because he used to be in the real down. But, anyways, yeah, sure uh, does. how you doing, man? You doing great? Yeah, I'm doing good. Nice, nice, easy Sunday off. I'm liking that. Nice, man. Nice. So, Matthew, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, a little bit about your background. What do you do? um what do you got kayak fishing and um all that good stuff yeah for sure so again
1: i'm matt sauders i uh located here in central ohio fish the gmr river little miami river a lot big smallmouth head um right now i work in an outdoor store i'm the head of the fishing department so i get to kind of live out the dream of being quote unquote in the industry to an extent so i get to help people who are a new to fishing or coming in their season tournament fishers that are Looking for some tips and tricks and some of the new baits are out there, which is awesome. Um, I'm a United States Corps veteran. Uh, I'm a combat vet. I got out in 2017. And then kind of just rolling through the punches of life because it's always something. But uh, definitely, definitely gotten the kayak scene a little bit more heavy this year. Uh, been in a kayak on and off the last five or ten years. But really dove feet first this year and starting tournaments up next year. So. It's been a fun ride so far. I'm excited to see what the future has.
2: Awesome, man. Have you done? Uh, first of all, thank you for your service. Um, and uh, have you done any? Um, this you can first year doing tournaments. When you say tournaments, you're going to go regional or just uh, national or just local? I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: go regional, so I'm gonna go in the uh, Cincinnati Kayak Trail, um, cool. which covers Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. Okay. Um, and so I'm really excited to do that. It's a really good competition. I've talked to some of the guys who are on the trail and they really enjoy you know, the format and everything in the different locations that some of the tournaments are at. So yeah, I'm really excited to get into the competition side of kayak fishing, so. Nice. Um, have you done any local or small trails? uh no not with kayak fishing um growing up in the area i used to do all my local lake tournaments uh me and my buddy had a boat and we did the or the caesar's creek tournaments they had one every thursday at the time um indian lake they had them every like friday and saturday and then some larger tournaments like up at erie and a couple things like that but this is my first year in the kayak tournament scene so i've done boats um i did a couple flw amateurs down and down south in between deployments but I'm, I'm really excited to go from big
2: boat to small boat and see what I can do with some smallmouth. Cool, man. So, what got you, Matthew, into kayak fishing? Because you say, um, among other things, you, you're you a bank beater. I think you mentioned that in the pre fishing, uh, you worked and you're a veteran. veteran. Um, but what drove you to decide, hey, you know what? I don't want to get into that plastic boat and pedal out there.
1: Yeah, so what really drew me to kayak fishing is more or less the freedom of it, because Mm -hmm. like I said, I mean, I've done big boat tournaments to where, you know, you get on a 16, 17, 18 foot boat and you're on big water, whether it be a ginormous lake chain like Okeechobee or Lake Fork, or it could be something small like, you know, an Ohio Lake is what I call, most Ohio lakes are considered southern ponds, is how I look at it. But, you know, I mean, so the freedom of a kayak is, it's really relieving to me because i can go i can literally put it on top of my jeep and i can drive to the a river which is located five miles from my house and paddle down or i can go to big water and go into it you know i, I don't have any limitations really unless i'm going to like something huge like Erie. but even then i could still throw a kayak on it if i wanted to so the freedom of kayak fishing has been my biggest draw of into it and being a marine i'm always i'm super competition focused so anything competition related, I'll jump into it. See, first I can.
2: Yeah, that's um, I don't come from the military background, but I've had a few friends and a few guests. Uh, and I think I think Josh Smith from Dark Waters, I think he was he, he's a Marine. I know he was. is also a veteran, but I can't I think he's on the Marine. And that's one of the things when I had him on my guest and listening to his show, he always talks about that, that competitive edge that that you know, that edge you needed to have to serve, especially for your own deployments. Yeah. How has kayak fishing helped you or has it helped you in any way? Has it become a factor for you to deal with some of the stuff going back from, uh, you know, military service to uh, civilian service? Have you had to deal with anything like PTSD or it's just um, kayak fishing is just something that you just liked?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, fishing has always been something that I liked, but going in the Marine Corps and then, um, I was an 311 which is considered an infantryman. So I was just a, you know, frontline arm. We had one real mission and that's, you know, go and deploy and, uh, seeing some of the things I did and dealing with some of the things I did. And then abruptly, when you get out of military service, it's pretty much you sign a piece of paper and the next day you're walking off base and you're done. Um, so it's, there's statistics out there that show that, Marine vets, especially combat vets don't ever really reform to society. So I got back and I was really, you know, I was dealing with a lot of different things um, past from 17 to 18 before I got into my kayak. And, you know, kayak fishing has really given me the ability to kind of break away from all those thoughts and give me a, a freeing sense to where I can go out. I know I can just put the boat in. I can put some headphones in and listen to my, a book, you know, or listen to some music or just take them out and just listen to nature going down the river and not have to really worry about anything. For a couple hours, I can completely clear my mind out and just worry about, hey, are they biting a black and blue Ned stick or are they b- biting a green pumpkin crawl? Like I'm just focused just on fishing, which makes it a lot, so it's, it's a nice de-stressor from your daily life and especially dealing with some of the stuff that I've gone through and dealt with. And it lets me break away from society for a little bit and just be in my own world is the best way I can describe it. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, I could imagine. And we're not going to ask any details about this because I don't, I've never, I don't believe in any of my podcasts when I talk to the military service that I should, I have the right to ask about, you know, what you see or what you went through. Cause that's personal. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, we have to keep this, you know, everything dignified, um, you know, what happened there stays in there and that's, that's, that's not for any of us as a civilian to, you know, let's try to dissect or anything like that. Um, so I respect that, that aspect of it, I'm not going to ask you about that, but um, going like, was it hard for you to, to adjust as a civilian life? Was it like, was kayak fishing something that you needed? Or was, was there something out there that you say, hey, if I don't find something like this, I'm not going to be able to cope with civilian life. Or was it, you know, was it really that hard? Or, or was it more like a, something that came up naturally to do, to go and get into kayak fishing?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, when I got out of the, the Marine Corps, I I can say even now with kayak fishing, kayak fishing has really helped me de-stress a lot. Like, can go mm-hmm. you know, whenever I go out, like I said, I can dissociate myself from the world. But you never... I, I don't I can say just from from reading stuff talking to older vets you'll never I'll never really reform back into society if that makes any sense I always mm-hmm. have a different mindset and most veterans are the same way they come out we have no matter how you were when you went in you went to boot camp they basically pressed reset and they made you into their image and mm-hmm. the thought process really changes a lot especially coming from an infantry background um, my thought process has changed quite a bit so yeah it's extremely hard to kind of mesh with society to the point to where kayak fishing was something I really needed. Um, because, you know, when you're bank, when you're on a bank and you're you're fishing, there's always how I look at it. Fishing is my time away from other things. Not that I don't enjoy being around people, but fishing is my time away from things. And when you're bank beaten, you always have that guy who'll walk down and want to talk to you for 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, it ends up you're having a conversation, which isn't always a bad thing, but at the same time kind of brought me away from what I wanted. So getting into a kayak and being able to push off the bank or float down a river, I'm away from people. Occasionally, you'll see somebody, but you know, it's nothing to where it's bringing me out of the little world I'm trying to create myself to disassociate myself from from society is the best way that I can say it. It's not that I'm negative against society. I just I want to get away sometimes. So
2: yeah, yeah I, go on, I'm sorry. I, interrupted.
1: Oh, no, I was just gonna say, yeah, it is definitely something that if I wouldn't have found, I would have tried to fill this gap with something else, but I don't think it would have been as rewarding as kayak fishing has been for me. So, yeah, it was definitely something I needed.
2: Definitely, definitely. And it's, uh, you know, and again, I'm not coming from that military background. So it's for me to say, oh, I understand, or to, that's that would be disrespectful because I don't think unless you've lived through it, you can't just say, oh, we understand. There's a lot of things that um, you, that you and any uh, military um Veteran, especially if works in or has been assigned on deployments and infantry, is going to live through things that we never are going to be able to understand. Um, and we all we can do is respect it and give us our, our support, just like you supported, you know, um, uh, service for this country. So, again, uh, thank you so much for sharing that. I, that's, I think it's something that um especially when we're in the in the kayak fishing family that we all that we need to um at least acknowledge and understand cuz there's a lot of I see a lot of um ex-military ex-veterans um joining this community for that same reason and it's it's always good to show support and and, and try to understand you know even though we haven't been there or we haven't gone through those things there there are things that, we don't need to know as the civilians, we just need to understand and be understanding um, and, and do our best to support just like you supported the country. So, uh, you know, again, thank you for your service and for all you've done. Um, going into kayak fishing, what, what do you like most about it other than catching a fish? And i know you touched on it a little bit, but what, what do you enjoy more even if if when you're out there and you don't catch anything you're going through the struggle bus as we call it or you're getting skunk what what do you fall back to that makes it so enjoyable for you yeah so the skunk is
1: always hard because again even if i'm going out by myself that competition or that that competition edge out in me i can go out for even if it's 20 minutes and i'm getting nothing. i'm realistically you shouldn't expect to get anything 20 minutes but i'm still down on myself but if i'm not catching anything and even just being out just being out in nature. I've always been a big outdoors guy. And a lot of guys, when they go in the infantry, they were outdoors before and they come back and they're like, oh, I hate being outside now because we have to go to the field and deal with that. But it never really changed me. If anything, it made me want to do it more. So I love just being in nature, um, especially some back stretches of like the little Miami. It's, you know, the only thing out there to where my area that I fish frequently is there's one overpass and then it's just, you're going through fields basically that are surrounded by, you're surrounded by trees and then, Cornfields. I mean, it's it's awesome to be out in nature. You get to see stuff that, you know, just a couple weeks ago, I wish I could have got my phone, but I spooked it, spooked a deer. But there's two or three deer just waiting across the mark. And it was, you know, all firing is the best way. But yeah, just being out in nature is awesome. Um, it really, you know, it, it lets you remember how small that's how I look at how small I actually am. Because before we had all these roads and all these houses and everything, I live in a suburb, but. Before all that, it was just what I was floating down. And it's just Mm. awesome to think, really helped her think about everything.
2: Yeah, I I think that's one of the things that I enjoyed enjoyed about it as well. When I started kayak fishing, I stuck around to mostly um, urban lakes, um, you know, here in the Dallas Fort Worth uh, Metroplex, which is nice, great lakes, some bass factories. But when I started going to driving two hours, an hour going to like Lake Whitney, which I spent uh, most of this
3: month. they offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Pre-fishing for a tournament that actually never happened, but I still enjoyed it. Um, Lake Fork um, and and other lakes that are outside the, the city limits. You get to see, you know, deer just, you know, swim by um, all kinds of uh, like just wildlife. It's just like man. Even if if I even if I'm getting skunked or I'm struggling with this beats sitting in an office or doing whatever you know work you do, unless you do something that's really rewarding. But for most of us that we have a regular job with a boss and mm-hmm. with corporate America, then you know I'm pretty sure kayak fishing beats most of uh, of that. Um, even if you if you're struggling and um, mentally with not catching any fish. So how is the fishing over there in Ohio? How do you compare, have you always lived in Ohio? So I've always, I lived here till I was 21. And then Mm -hmm. I went
1: to North Carolina because I was in the Marine Corps in June in Jacksonville. So, I mean, I did almost all of my fishing solely in the Ohio and then a little bit in the Kentucky area. Um, The fishing up here is not bad. So how I like to put it is we have great smallmouth large mouth we're not really set on so my pb is from okeechobee in florida is a 12.1 pound largemouth. our state record in ohio is 13.4 i think 13.4 13.6 wow. um i know texas has a big state record florida's got a big state record california's got the world record unless that guy over in japan beat it again i read right up on that too much but <laughs> I know, yeah i'm just saying if i could fish japan that's where if you're to ask that i want to fish japan but uh no, uh, the fishing up here is great. Smallmouth are fantastic because you have all these river systems that Ohio's known for our river systems. Like I said, Ohio lakes are southern ponds. There's a couple real big ones because you have the Great Lake chain up north and then, you know, you have Rocky Fork is decent and um, Caesars Creek is just a big reservoir, but they're all southern ponds to me. They're not they're big, but they're not huge. Um, but, yeah, our smallmouth is, in my opinion, maybe other than Michigan, is second to none. I constantly say to my friends and customers at the store when I'm talking to them, the next 10-pound smallmouth will come out of Lake Erie because they're just making big smallies up there. And, uh, yeah, so the the fishing's great. The bad thing is we're getting cold, so now yeah. it's jerk, jerkbait time, which is my second favorite time of the year. So we'll see how that works, but.
2: What's your favorite time of the year? You probably mentioned I missed it, but what's your favorite time? Now, favorite time is
1: spawn. So I'm always a big spawn guy, and that's coming from fishing down south for the four and a half years I did in the Marine Corps is, you know, like in Florida, you, there's there's multiple spawns. Texas, yeah. Texas, there's multiple spawns. So up here, we have one spawn. It's spring. That's it. And then you have the fall bite, which is, let's say, a, a lukewarm spawn because fish are getting fat for, for ice, but yeah spawn is definitely my favorite time to fish because you can go out you can get some of those southern qual- quantity numbers to where you you know you go out if you're if you're in texas and you're fishing you catch five fish you're like oh, that was a slow day i only caught five fish i here, wish <laughs> here, that's fantastic five fish a day that's that's a good day now could we could you catch more with smallies yeah of course could you catch more with large yeah but your average is you know hey, if you're getting five fish a day you're having a good day you're getting a good amount of fish um so spawn really gives you that opportunity where you can go out. Largies are eating everything because they're large mouth and they're just giant trash can mouths. And then yep. uh, small mouth, they're just super aggressive because they're trying to fatten up. So, so yeah, I mean it's spawn is my favorite time to fish. I love it. Can't beat it.
2: Yeah, um, one of, you touched on something there like. Uh, small mouth bass are so aggressive and I think I mentioned this before on another segments but I think the big reason for that is you see a large mouth bass they have like you mentioned they have that bucket mouth that they basic they a lot of times they'll just inhale a bait like they'll just open a mouth create a vacuum and the bait just so they don't have to put that much effort yeah. into, versus a small mouth out he actually has to grab it mm-hmm. um,
1: that's the biggest one to- and yeah, I describe that is when you're like when you're texas rigging like let's say you have a you know a, a bitsy my favorite small mouth bait is a bitsy bug with a, a rage crawl on the back end of it for small mouth other than a ned rig but you're throwing that out you can with a large mouth you have to you know work that rod and you have to feel that weight on the end because a lot of times they'll just suck it in they just won't move yeah. smallmouth you put it out there you'll feel them not yeah. suck it in they'll just straight on bulldog it right to the no, face no. and you feel that bite and then they just fight Incredible all the way to the boat. So yeah, it's awesome.
2: Yeah, and especially those um river smallmouth, they have that big fan tail because they yeah. need to have that. You know, it's it's one of those scenes where adaptation, you know, they need to have that um tail to to kind of fight the um and they're basically all muscle. Yeah, so they 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 need all that energy and that that advantage to go through the current. So they'll fight you um like to to the death. We don't have a lot of smallmouth bass here in texas well we, we do but obviously it's not the quality that, that you guys have up there um but i have been fortunate enough to get on actually on some small creeks um here in the dfw metroplex and uh, yeah they're super fun to catch you don't get cheated on that bike for sure yeah they're awesome Smallmouth, there
1: it's a whole nother breed and you're right that you brought up that tail which is insane because if you look at like when you're going down the river, like on the, the great, or the little Miami, super clear water, you can go down it and you can see smallmouth either stacked up in current right behind some brush or whatnot. They don't know, they know you're there, they don't know there, it doesn't matter, but you can, you can see them just sitting right in that current because they're, in my opinion, one of the best ambush predators and predators out there mm-hmm. in fresh water because they'll sit in current behind a large rock and sit in that current, with that little current break, and then they'll... Bust out, get something, then come right back and they'll use that current and then just sit there with their tail flapping it. So they have it's a great military tactic. It's called defilation. <laughs> you got that appreciation, right? <laughs> For it. Every time I see him, I was like, man, I know what you're doing. I'm going to take a pure advantage of it because you're just waiting to pop out and I'll throw a Ned rig down or I'll throw a crawl style bait and I'll just let it float right down and they'll just pop out, hit it and try to pop back and they'll they hit it so hard they can't. I mean, they'll give you a great fight no matter how you can get a 12 incher. They'll fight you like a two to three pound bass. So it's awesome.
2: Cool, man. So what's your favorite uh, body of water to fish over there? Like, like specific, Like, do you prefer rivers better than lakes, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, so no, I'm, I'm a
1: big smallie. I was I was before that, I was a largemouth guy. I was like, oh, lakes are where it's at. You can get better quality bite. But now I've turned completely into a smallmouth mouth guy. Um, my favorite, favorite body of water probably fish is the Great Miami River, just because it's got so many different areas you can fish. Um, I fished over in the you know the Huber Heights area, which is one section of the river, and then I fished up in Piqua last week. And uh, I mean, your 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 smallmouth act different in almost every part of the of the river because of what's there. So, I mean, the the little Miami is a real fun place to fish too because it's not fish super heavy, but it's shallower water. So. You know, it feeds into the larger lakes like Caesars Creek and stuff, but yeah, the, the Great Miami River, it's it's different fishing all the way down, and the quality of smallmouth the whole way is fantastic, and you have other fish to catch like saw guy and whatnot throughout the throughout the river system, so yeah, it's fantastic.
2: You mentioned that they, they behave differently from one section to the other. What do you mean by that? Like, what what differences do you see? Yeah, so you, like, the Great Miami's got a lot of really deep stretches,
1: so you're seeing smallmouth won't necessarily, they'll hug up to cover, kind of largemouth style. And this isn't, obviously this changes day to day, but when you're in the shallower section, you'll see them just fighting current the whole time and sitting there. And then when you're in those really deep sections, you can see them kind of either just moseying around the the bottom or the m- middle of the water column and sitting there where you can find them on cover, just like every other type of bass. So they'll always gravitate to cover, but they won't necessarily continually fight that current all the time. They'll back out of the current and wait for something to hit it. And then they'll b- bump into current and then bump back out and go back to their cover. So it's kind of a still the same largemouth and smallmouth techniques that you would use, but at the same time it's different depending on what section of river you are. You're either using a Ned rig on a in some shallow or medium depth water, or you're throwing like uh, last Tuesday I was throwing nothing but a swim bait on a swim jig, which literally just throwing that out, letting it sink five seconds, and then slow rolling it back in. And that that was the ticket that day. I got three because we're in Ohio. but I got <laughs> and the smallest of those fish were 15 and a half inches. So I got two one one a half, one16 and a half I think and then 117 and 17 and a quarter. So and they you know the second fish I caught had two followers with it. So they were all about just slow rolling it in the middle of the middle of the body of water where the current was a little bit slower instead of up on that brush pile. So it just depends on what section of the river you're on.
2: That's cool. So, what got you now into switching over to like um, do uh, competitive? You know, to get into tournaments, is that something that's related to your military background? You know, that that switch that you know you 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 feel like you need to be competitive, or have you, do you feel that you've always been that way? You just hadn't had the opportunity to do it.
1: I mean, I've always been competitive. So, I mean, I like I said earlier, I've I've fished, you know, team tournaments and stuff out of big boats up in Ohio. Starting when I was about twelve, and then on and off again, I would fish a tournament here and there, um, up to like seventeen or eighteen, and then I kind of got out of competitive fishing because other stuff was happening—college, girlfriends, blah blah blah, whatever it was. And oh, they'll ruin it. <laughs> I lucked out with the one I got now, but yeah, all the ones there you made go. Made everything terrible, but uh but yeah, I mean, it was going to the the Marine Corps. I was always competitive, but I was competitive for like your how I like to say the Dick Sporting Goods of sports, like basketball baseball mm. those were my two biggest sports that i played and i was super competitive with that and in fishing hey if i went out i wanted to win but if i caught some fish and i placed decent, and i was fine going in the marine corps it's every day you have to be better than the guy next to you and if you're not you're wrong and you need to fix it so coming out back into civilian life i've had nothing that's really pushed me to that competitive edge to where it's bled out into like my my work. Before I worked at the outdoor store and I'm the manager there in the fishing department now, I was this corrections officer. And I was always doing everything I could to be better than the other corrections officers for no reason other than I had no other outlet for my competitive edge that was in me. And it's kind of ingrained. So getting into the competitive aspect of kayak fishing, it's going to do a couple things. First, it's going to bleed off my competitive edge so I'm not like a jerk to everyone around me trying to be better than everybody. So it's good for them. And then second, it's going to help me um, kind of get that feeling back to where hey I'm being competitive oh I didn't place well or I didn't get in the top 10 or I didn't win this tournament but I know why I didn't so now I can work on it so it's going to just come continue to push me to be a better angler which will help me not only in angling but it'll help me continue to evolve as a person if that makes any sense
2: what did, you mentioned something about correction officer and I know we're getting a little bit up subject here and and ir- ignorantly, um, I would I would say my mentality would be like, oh, my God, he has to deal with the worst of the worst. And I think that's disrespectful. But th- there's still people that in correction, you know, trying to better themselves or people that, you know, just made a m- bad mistake. And they're trying to to, you know, better themselves. So it's not like, oh, you got the worst of the worst. I feel like I'd be disrespecting a lot of people in that community. I'm assuming there are people that, that they're pretty bad, but also people that just made bad want to get back to society. How hard, how hard was is that job
1: for uh, you as a
2: correction officer? It's, it's
1: really hard. So, I mean, would, I would compare, I stopped being a CEO. So, I mean, I have some physical like issues. Like I have arthritis in my, I mean, I'm 29 years old. So I have arthritis in my knees. I've got a little bit of shrapnel in my shin. I've got degenerative back disease. Um, A couple other things that just make me like sore and in pain all day, but it's bearable. So it is what it is. But the mental aspect of being a CO. So I worked in a small city jail where at most I've the most I ever housed in three years was, I think, 22 inmates. And that was because there was a sting going on from a a adjacent precinct. So the mental aspect of it being in there with me, like I said, it's small. So I was there by myself for 12 or eight hours a day. And some of the people, and you were correct when you said, you know, I can't assume that they're all bad people because I can tell you, like, seventy percent of the people were they were they either made a mistake or they've gone down this path in life and they don't know how to fix it, mm-hmm. uh, and they're genuinely sorry about it. Like they they will go in and they're respectful and they they don't try to be you know negative in any way or try to be a jerk to you. They're just hey, you know, I know I messed up. They'll they'll own it. But there's thirty percent that will come in whether they know they made the mistake or not. They don't care. They'll they'll push you. To almost your breaking point and they know that it's not they know you really can't do anything about it so like you'll have guys there's there's times where you sit there and they just yell at you and yell at you and i'm i mean i've been yelled at i'm not worried about that i can take a chewing all day long but they'll just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing the the physical environment you're in you're i mean you're in a basically a concrete blocked building with locked doors everywhere you have the key but i mean you're really confined if that makes sense so you're kind of confined yeah. in them um it's not like you know hey oh I can just leave you know I can walk out I mean you can't because I was the only one in there so they'll sit there and they'll just yell at you yell at you yell at you blah 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 and it's over time it's not that it for me personally it's not that it like mentally broke me or anything but it it definitely I mean it wears you down over time oh yeah the reason why I kind of got out of it just because hey you know I've I've done this I've I've mentally beat myself up before for four and a half years, I don't, I don't really need to do it anymore. So that's one of the big reasons that, and I got offered an opportunity in the industry that I didn't want to pass up. But um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's really hard. I mean, your average turnaround time for CEOs in most uh, agencies around the country is uh, two weeks to two months. So 14 days to 60 days is the average turnaround time for a CEO for them to get hired, get trained and then quit. So, I mean, some people just can't take it, which I don't blame them. I mean, it's a, it's a very mentally draining environment to be in.
2: No, I would imagine. And that's nothing to do with being tough or, you know, it, it's if you're constantly spending more time with people, and again, not all of them, like you said, 70% of them, which is the majority are trying to rehabilitate themselves or at least sorry for what happened, you know. And so I don't want anybody listening that's gone through this thinking with disrespectful because I know a lot of it is, we see those um, uh, TV shows on cable TV, you know, about um, lockdown and stuff like that. And it's not, yes, there is a percentage of population that's like that, but not everybody's like that. And everybody should be given a chance to date themselves. So we to that. Um, it's like you mentioned, when you, you're spending time, more time with persons that are screaming and shouting obscenities and insults at you more than you do with your own family, it's going to wear. I don't care how tough you are. Yeah. It's going to wear on you throughout time. You're just constantly in, a, in, in, a, in an environment where there are a couple, even if it's just 30% of it, even if it's just three out of seven that are harassing you and giving you bad, bad energy. It's going to affect you. No matter who you are, I don't care how tough anybody is and definitely not the place for me to judge anybody that says, hey, you know what? I don't want to do this because it's got to be. I can't even imagine how tough it's going to be. I work customer service for at at the airport and there's times where I'm like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, (laughs) I can't deal with the negative. I can't imagine being a correction officer.
0: Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
3: It, it gets to the point
1: to where I would tell new guys when they come in, like if they're sitting with me on a ship and I'm training them, hey, make sure before you leave this little tip. Just go out and sit in your car, truck, whatever you're sitting on, and sit there and just sit there for 15 minutes. And don't go home. Don't start driving yet. Just let it all drain off you because it'll end up. Which is something I dealt with too at the the beginning of it. Same thing in the military. I mean, it, it'll follow you if you if you don't find something to de stress yourself some way. It'll follow you home, and then it'll bleed in your home life. And then it's not just affecting you; it's affecting the the your loved ones around you, which yeah. would I mean. To me, once I finally saw that, it was it was really eye opening, and that's when that's, that's the exact reason why I listen to books in the car now because I can listen to a book and I can de stress the whole way home, and when I get home, I'm completely fine. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. No, yeah, I was just.
2: What is it? And I don't want to mean to drag this on because I know this is not. Um, uh, healthy to talk about I mean imagine for you but so I don't want to drag this on but just one more quick question what is it about the people may not understand that when you said kayak fishing help you uh you know be more accessible or nicer to your co-workers like what is it what is it that that aspect of you being so competitive that can affect the people around you that don't understand that that's never gone through that
1: yeah, so like it's it's as a manager, right? So I'm a manager of that fishing department. I've got two employees underneath me. So if I tell them to do something, hey, I, we had this set amount of tasks to get done and I want to get them done on Thursday instead of Friday so we can really show that we're, we're better. So I come in Thursday, let's say I come in Thursday afternoon for a shift and I'm looking at the list and four things aren't done. Well, if I had nothing to bleed that competitive edge out into, I'd say, hey, why are you not getting this done? I could have got this done. So that means you didn't get it done. That means you're wrong and you need to fix yourself. And it's, in the civilian world, that doesn't work. Most mm-hmm. people uh, haven't got told, like, in the Marine Corps and, and almost any military aspect. I wasn't in any other branches, but I worked with a lot of Army guys and a lot of uh, Navy guys and a couple Air Force guys, but whatever. They're all, we're all competitive to a sense, depending on what your job is, and everyone has a little bit of competitive edge in them. So, infantry really just blows that out the water. So, if, if I had nothing to bleed that into, it would be, basically, my employees would, A, either hate me, or not work for me, which doesn't work in the end game because you have to have people to help you. Just how it is. No. So, if I didn't have that, when you're talking about you know the other people around you, little tasks that like, hey, I need you to move this from point A to point B, and they do it a different way than I would do it. Well, I'm nothing to bleed that off. No, that you're doing it wrong. You need to fix yourself. Let me show you how to do it. Um, so yeah, having kayak fishing and something to bleed that into can kind of it in my best way. It makes me more understanding of you know, Hey, you didn't get this done. And before I blew up on you, Hey, what was your reasoning? Oh, that reason makes sense. I understand now. And I I can take the time and the mental process to figure out why it wasn't done the way I wanted it done. And if it makes sense, it makes sense. So.
2: That's interesting. And then thank you for sharing that. And again, we don't want to go spend the whole show talking about that. Um, how do, um, but again, thank you for your service and, um, and for everything you do. um, as far as um, what you learned in the military, how does that help you be a better angler? Like you mentioned a little bit of competitiveness. Is there anything that did you feel like you've learned positively in this aspect? Let's talk about the positivity of being in the Marines. Um, that you take into fishing that makes you maybe a perfectionist. Like, okay, now because of that um, DNA that I have now as a, as a Marine, um, do you apply that to... Being very specific or perfectionist as far as learning uh, a, a technique or you know zoning in on how to catch fish does that play at all into it?
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, the the discipline, the biggest takeaways I got from the Marine Corps that it, that in every aspect of my life is patience, discipline, and being a perfectionist in some things. So like when I started really getting into kayak fishing, and learning the river systems, I would I before. I don't know six months ago seven months ago i wasn't super proficient in a ned rig i threw it occasionally but you know i was going for largemouth bass down south for four and a half years i didn't care about a ned rig i was throwing an ounce tungsten weight on i was flipping and pitching pads and uh so come up the the discipline in me was like hey i need to learn this technique so i'm just gonna i literally got my kayak i can take seven rods with me at any one point i took one rod that had just a Ned rig on it i was like i'm gonna fish this all day Regardless of if I catch anything, I'm going to learn how to work this bait. Um, I do a lot of background research, kind of like coming from the military. You know, you get briefs on your targets and what the enemy dep- deposition is and all that, whatnot. Um, so I would I would delve just straight head first into any new technique. So like Ned Rigs, um, really, I researched that for, I don't know, two weeks before I really started throwing it. Like how are guys throwing it? I talked to Brad a little bit about, hey, how are you working your Ned rig? Cause I've always seen him use it. He's a big Ned Rig guy. It's like, how are you working it? How what do you do? Oh, well, you know, you just throw it and you just pop it off the bottom. I was like, okay, cool. So I'd go out and I'd pop it off the bottom a little bit. And now I've kind of made my own technique out of it to where, depending on what I observe in the water, hey, if it's moving real quick or if I see some current, I'm going to put it in there with a heavier Ned Rig and let it float to the bottom of the ground. Just leave it there, and maybe get a little shake. Or if I'm in real shallow stuff, and I'm going to throw a lighter Ned rig and I'll pop it all the way back to me so I can get some action out of it. So yeah, the the discipline I got really helps me to where the biggest takeaway, a lot of pros say, hey, just because you're not getting a bite on something, don't put it down immediately. Just keep fishing it. And a lot of amateur anglers and a lot of guys who are new to it will throw a bait that they thought was going to be the, the best bait they could ever throw. They throw it four times, don't get a bite and they're like, oh, this bait sucks. When in reality, the the sixth castings of the fourth would have caught your PB, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the discipline aspect really helps a lot. That's the biggest takeaway that I have to where I can be super disciplined in angling, to where I can take a bait out, I can really work it till it's worked to death, till I know I'm not going to get anything on it. And then I'll switch, which has gotten me a couple bites already this year that if I would have put it down when I wanted to before saying, hey, no, you're more disciplined in this, keep throwing it a little bit, I would have missed, you know, a uh, month ago I caught an 18-inch, smallmouth i would have missed that 18 inch smallmouth if i would have put the bitsy bug with a rage baby rage crawl on the back of it because i was like oh they're not smallmouth aren't gonna bite this jig it's too big and i kept throwing it i kept throwing it and then i ended up getting six fish off it and plus i got one of my biggest smallmouth of the year so i mean it, it the discipline and the uh patience that was instilled in me has really pushed my angling to another level to where i can look at stuff a little bit different than most anglers
2: that's pretty cool, man. Because I know a lot of times, and I'm me personally. That's one thing about the, that I love about the podcast. And I'm not—I don't want to talk too much about myself on my podcast. But if I made for a second, it's like I don't come from that um, bass fishing culture. You know, bass fishing is, was is ingrained in bluegrass Southern roots. You know, um, and for me, when I wanted to do a podcast, I'm like, well, I'm not. You know, I'm not from. Alabama or Tennessee, all those you know, Georgia, all those places, or even Texas. I lived in Texas, but I'm not originally from Texas. I consider myself an adopted Texan. Yeah, um, but as the sport has grown, you see more people like yourself, like in Ohio, you know, in in California, upstate New York, that the 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 sport has grown to where it's not just a southern. Thing now it's it's yeah. actually a national thing and even worldwide we're talking about japan um i've heard somebody had told me i think brian uh, addressed this on the og show or mentioned it um south africa has bass fishing tournaments and their numbers are you know you can imagine south africa those bass gotta be like whales over there i'm imagining but it's so it's not only so it's grown to the place where I was like, okay, now I feel comfortable doing a podcast and learning. Because the thing about it, as it's grown, there's good things and bad things. And one of the, I don't want to say bad things, but one of the things that as as a new angler, you have to be careful is because we live in a capitalist um, economy where everything is like, thrown at you, you know, through any media available, whether it's cable TV, internet, social media, emails, whatever you want. It's always that next new product, next to product. And then you wanna try it, then you wanna try it because you're bombarded from everywhere about this is what's gonna work. And and you don't take the time to learn a technique and really master it before you go into to the next one. It's just kind of like, oh, let me throw this. And then, like you said, four or five casts in now you want to switch to another thing and now that you want to switch and you're spending money on lures that honestly it's like it's great to expand but i think it's more importantly to conquer something like okay now i've conquered this technique or this bait let me move to another one i um, mean it's not like i said it's not easy to do when you're like bombarded with all this media about oh, yeah. this, the I new mean, age, and all that, you know. Yeah. You're so, looking at guys,
1: they've been throwing crankbaits, a lot of people throw crankbaits wrong, they don't even know they throw crankbaits wrong, they'll throw it to where it's like real open, not saying you can't throw a crankbait in this situation, but it's yeah. open, for, it's, let's say it's 15 foot deep, and they know it's open water, there's nothing there, they'll throw a two to five foot diving crankbait, when a, a square bill, when that's designed to find some cover, or find some structure, mm-hmm. smack head first into it, and deflect yeah. off it they're worried about losing their 10 dollar crankbait from 6 cents. Yeah. Hey, great baits, but you have to fish those baits accordingly and what they're used for. Um, people don't understand how to use a jerk bait because they they just buy them because they look good, they look like a bait fish, but they don't know that it's not a steady retrieve, it's you know your pop pop pause or pause pop pause pop whatever your cadence is, but like like you said there it's just uh, in mean, in working in an outdoor store, I have six or four aisles of plastics that all they're all in different colors i have just two full aisles of hard baits i've got an aisle of top water um you know a 12 foot section of spinner baits and they they come in they're like oh what well what's 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 best what's the best spinner bait it's not that there's a best spinner bait there are some that are better than others I'm not gonna lie about that but everything has a purpose and a reason but before you start buying $100 crankbaits, $100 jerkbaits, $100 spinnerbaits and all that, you know, get get one or two techniques that you can really focus on that'll catch fish like a, a Texas Rig Senko or a Texas Rig Crawl. It's an easy way to fish it. It's not a hard technique to throw it out and just drag it across the bottom and you'll get fish all day on it. It's, it's one of the best uh, finesse techniques. It's one of the best spawn techniques to use is to pitch and flip and a crawl into some cover or pitch and flip and a crawl on the bottom of a dredged pond or something. And it it's you you hit the nail on the head. It's the it's capitalist economy, which is hey, great, I love it. But people get so much thrown at them, and they don't know which way to turn mm-hmm. because they they're like, oh well, this is what KBD's using, or this is what my buddy Matt Souders is using. Like you know, I I might use a bait completely different than what it was designed for, but I found success in it because I practiced with that bait, and I like how it works better.
2: Yeah, like I said, you become like a master of none. Yeah, you know, and that that's as an angler, especially when you're trying to get competitive, it's something that I always try and catch. And I've suffered from that too. There's I'm actually at that point where I was like, no, I need to slow down what I'm you know, and just kind of figure it out what bait. And obviously, I'm not gonna try a bait that's not gonna work at a season. I'm not saying that, but you know, once you're in a season that is uh that a bait is gonna work better than most, then stick to that bait and learn it before you start trying to master another bait. Make sure you learn it. Just don't give up on it. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're struggling, you can just say, hey, after a while, switch to another thing, but just don't give up on it too soon, you know? Yeah. Or don't don't move to something that's not gonna work anyways, because it's like winter and you're not gonna hit a frog. They're not gonna hit a frog on 30 degree w- water, you know, kind of thing. Um, well, but 30 degrees it will be frozen but anyways. Yeah. But, um, going back to now doing the tournament scene, this is going to be your first year doing the tournament or next season. It's going to be, next the, season. what are your expectations on, on the tournament? What do you expect to accomplish?
1: So I expect a couple of things. First, I expect to gain a lot more knowledge than I already have now. Um, again, fishing a big boat tournament is I can without even having any information of kayak fishing is a completely different experience than fishing a kayak tournament because you know how I'm used to fishing. Hey, you fish, one lake you get five bass and there's the new you know mlf style of fishing but you fish one lake five bass and that's what you get and that's your bag so in kayak fishing it's you know it's all on inches to where now you know I'm st- i am still catch myself wanting to weigh a fish instead of pulling my catch board out and putting it on a catch board and saying oh this is what the the length of the fish is so that's i'm i'm, I'm excited to get a lot more knowledge i'm excited to pick some of the brains of the other anglers who are out there fishing who've been doing it for a lot longer time um, see what they do that works for them, what they've learned from kayak fishing. Um, and I mean, one of my biggest, biggest expectations is to go out. And then once I have that knowledge, maybe midway through the season or after next season, the next season that I can, you know, come out and really start competing with, you know, some of the guys who are staples in that top 10, top 20, top 30, and really start breaking in to where I can see, you know, something come from all the time I spend learning about techniques and fishing it. I can see something, you know, come out on paper that I'm doing a good job. So yeah.
2: Cool. Do you, after let's say, let's just, um, um, let's just say you you have a great first season, mm-hmm. and you feel like, man, I, you know, I'm as far as my regional tour, I think I'm pretty good. I'm a hammer. Um, Would you, you consider doing nationally? Is, is that ever like a, something that you have on, you know, maybe not right now, but something that you're eyeing in the future? If I'm once I get good at this, I'm thinking of going national. Yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: once once I really feel like I have the handle on the regional, and I'm I'm consistently placing at least decent numbers up. Then, yeah, I would. Def- I mean, I'm definitely considering a national down the road um, national trail if, if I'm blessed enough to get to that point, um, you know. I've, I've pretty much put in, put all my focus other outside of work and family into learning kayak fishing, and getting that ready. So I'm kind of going away from my quote unquote roots that I've had as boat fishing, and I'm I'm going full fledged into it. So yeah, I mean, how you said, if I have a, a hammer season in the regionals, I, I can say I'll probably do a year or two there. But I definitely eyeing a national at some point. Um, yeah, something I can definitely think about.
2: Cool man, wish you the most success with that, and uh, you know, hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later, right?
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm not getting any younger.
2: So I uh, I know we're nearing to the hour mark, and I don't want to keep you up after all. It's a Sunday, and I'm sure you want to spend time with your family. Um, do you have any kids? No,
1: I don't. I have two dogs. They're my children, me and my wife's kids. I have a golden retriever named Jenny, who's five years old, and then I have a husky wolf mix that we rescued when he was one. He's six, and his name is Slay.
2: So, oh, man. Yeah. Husky-wolf mix. That's actually one of my favorite dogs. My, my uncle, he lives in, I think, Meriden, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. It's not Meriden. He doesn't live in Meriden. He still lives in Connecticut. Uh, but he had a uh, wolf husky as well. Love that dog. Yeah, fantastic dogs. He
1: likes to talk real loud, which you heard him yeah. a few months ago. Uh, I try to keep him quiet best I can. He's currently spread eagle out on the uh, Ohio State mat right now, but... It's, uh, <laughs> He's he's loud, to say the least. I lucked out real bad, me and my wife did. We didn't get the typical husky. I guess we got more wolf in him because he's really calm half the time. I don't have to worry about him jumping the fence like a husky would. But the one big husky thing I did get is he doesn't like to shut up. So <laughs> he's going all 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 hours of night. 2 a.m. He'll wake you up because he wants to go outside to look at something that he smells. Oh, too. man.
2: So, Mine is yeah. the same way. And it's not a husky. It's a black lab. She's actually right next to me right now, just – I feel sad. I know going off of of subject a little bit, I took her to a dog park, which I haven't taken it for a little bit. And she used to be like her big thing in the dog park was she wanted dogs to follow her. She wanted to outrun anybody. And she was lightning fast, um, but she doesn't anymore. She just hangs out for five minutes and then she'll look at the car and look at me. And that's how I know she just, I opened the gate and she just walks right to the car like that nah, want to go home yeah I'm, also, I'm too old for the bar scene kind of yeah, thing she's, she's done she came, shes <laughs> she
1: conquered when she was younger and she's done
2: yeah so it's kind of it's kind of it makes me sad a little bit like man I know it's uh that you know that time of the that time is gonna come sooner uh now rather than later but I don't even want to think about that yeah, but anyways right. um before I let you go I know I gotta give you time to do a little shameless plug time I know you got some sponsors and uh and I'm sure there's a lot of uh people um and uh that you want to thank for making you fishing a lot easier for you yeah. but i have to ask you since you're from ohio and is brad hicks a big deal in ohio
1: brad likes to think that he's not a big deal in ohio and brad is a big deal in ohio so a lot of he people in ohio, at least so i work at gander outdoors so that's my outdoors <laughs> where i work in Beaver heights which a lot of guys who go in there we i deal with a lot of kayak fishermen who this year with covid people are just getting into it and stuff and I'll have guys come in, and I'll mention, you know, Ned Rig. Hey, one of the local guys who fishes Ned Rig a lot, his name's Brad Hicks. They're like, oh, the Ned, the Ned Rig Master, the Ned Headmaster, the the Ned. They actually call him Master. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, some people. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's him. He loves throwing that Ned Rig. And I've I've even talked to him. He's uh, yeah, I was talking to him a little bit. He's like, yeah, somebody texted me and was calling the Ned. He's like, I'm not the Ned Rig Master. I was like, just just take the compliment, dude. You're good at the Ned Rig. You 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 fish it really well. And uh, yeah, he's. He's a big. He a lot of people know who he is without him thinking. A lot of people know who he is. So he's I'm,
2: a. I'm just gonna edit this out of the podcast. I'm not even now. Nah, <laughs> no, actually, Brad. I, one thing about Brad, he will not take a compliment. Like even he, Josh yeah. Eldon tell him, "God, quite not loud." Take a compliment.
1: I, I've known him my whole life. I lived with him for two years when we moved. I mean, he's been my best friend for. I mean, he's family to me now. I've known him since I was. I don't know. I uh, long enough to where I can't remember. And he would clean the apartment, and I'd be like, dude, it looks really good in here. He's like, oh, I didn't do much. It's like, bro, I lived here, and I didn't help at all, and it looked really bad. So it looks really good. Just take the compliment and shut up. And he just – he hates it. He hates it. He hates compliments, but you got to love
2: him. Go check out Brad on the final cast. I always say the last cast, the final cast. I think it's every Thursday morning. He'll kill me for forgetting. But uh, uh,
3: great hey. product reviews.
2: So Matthew, thank you again. I'll uh, let you do a little shameless plug time you want to thank. I know you got a, a, at least one sponsor out there. And uh, anybody else that you want to thank for making fishing easier for you, go ahead. Yeah, so I want to thank,
1: uh, it's a local bait company out of Troy, Ohio. They're called the 153 Baits, which is that right there. Um, just started mid-season this year. They offer a lot of different plastics. And they're going to get into some uh, hand-painted hard baits coming this fall uh, in the November timeframe, just in time for holidays. Um, Great, great soft plastics and great hard baits for a lot less than what your big name brands are going to be. So they're just at the 153anglers.com. I'd like to thank Binom Power. They sponsored me with a uh, 12 volt, 20 amp hour battery. So I want to thank them for, you know, making it a lot easier for me to run some electronics on my boat and get me a little bit more prepared for the tournament scene and making fishing a little bit easier. Um, Definitely want to mention, hey, you know, veteran suicide is a big thing, so you know if you you know anybody who's going through some stuff don't be afraid to talk to them and making sure that they know that you're there for them because right now if you have any veteran friends or anything you know we all see the 22 a day and it's it's still there and a couple months ago it ramped up to 24 a day so we need to really if you have any friends or any veterans that you know of that are going through a hard time or just seem to be acting a little bit weird just give them a call let them know that you're there for them check in on your buddies and then last but not least i want to thank my beautiful wife she, you know, deals with me talking about fishing, finding random lures throughout the house and in the basement <laughs> over my tackle area, and finding. And she found a random reel in a, in a shoe yesterday. I don't know when I put it. There. Well, uh, Lizzie
2: wasn't a treble hook. No, no, that
1: was, <laughs> she found a, a underspin, a VMC, or no, an owner beast underspin, a one knot. She just found it in the bathroom in the ring dish. I don't know when I put that there, but that's I've been looking for it for like two months, so that's where that was. <laughs> But, yeah, so I just want to thank her for being super understanding and dealing with me, you know, waking her up at 5 a.m. to go load my kayak up and being gone for nine hours a day on one of my two days off. Um, and then coming home late from work to go fishing. And, you know, so she's she's really helped me out through a lot. And then not just the fishing aspect. She's she's helped me grow as a person. So, yeah, I just want to really thank my wife. And then last but not least, follow me on Instagram at MattSoudersFishing.com. Trying to grow the the brand a little bit of myself. And I'm completely open. I post a lot of pictures of small mouth, large mouth, and some techniques. And I'm open to anybody come in and want to tell me if I'm doing something wrong. Tell me to do it better, and I'll take your advice, and I'll move on. So, thank you so much, man. I appreciate the time that you uh, took and asked me to come on. So, yeah, I'm Thank really... you, man.
2: Thank you. It's been an honor to have you on my show, man. It's, uh, I, hadn't meet, I hadn't had the privilege to meet you, but I know Brad Hick. Um, says a lot of great things about you, and uh, so I'm I'm honored to have you on my show and listen to your your stories. And uh, hopefully, for those out there that are listening, they can get something other than kayak fishing. They can, like you said, they can bring to their home and help themselves or help other people out, um, especially from the military background. So again, Matthew, thank you so much. It means a lot that you came to the show and um talked about all the stuff we talked about so yeah. uh good luck on the tournament scene next year man i hope the uh, hope it goes well i hope we get to see you on the national level sooner rather than later
1: yeah that, that that'd be a great goal to accomplish and i'll be i'll be pushing uh pushing toward it hopefully this isn't the last time i'm on the show and i get to come back definitely make, not talk about some tournament stories and stuff so
2: well, thank you again. So, for those out there listening, this is the Bass Kayak and Beer segment on the Panel and Fit Network. Once again, sponsored by Douglas Outdoors. Go check out douglasoutdoors.com for their full lineup of rods. So, people out there, if winter is coming, I know uh, there's a lot of cold weather. Please, if you're going out fishing, remember the 120 rule. If the temperature outside, the temperature in the water is less than 120. Take the necessary precautions to avoid any hypothermia or your PFDs. Take good care of yourselves
4: uh, and be safe out there in the water. Thank you again for listening. Tight lines, y'all. on all your jig and tackle needs.